what I'm going to recommend is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive, brother, to that feeling that you have, which is, let me get past it, let me get past it, let me get past it. No, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you're driving along a road and there's a speed bump, you have two choices when you're coming up to the speed bump. You can speed up or you can slow down, right? But nobody wants to stop, pause, and go slowly over the hump. We just yeah. want to get through it. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. I am Dan Putt. If you ever find yourself reaching out to Reboot for coaching, whether that be through a friend or referral, or even the contact form on our website, you will likely end up on the phone with me. Despite having plenty on my plate, and at times, frankly, struggling to promptly respond to everyone, I've taken on this role because it's not only important to Reboot, but it's really important to me. It feels like such a privilege and an honor to connect with so many people who are willing in a very short period of time to open up their hearts, to share their pains, to tell their stories. I marvel every day at the heart, the bravery, the pain, the complexity that exists within all of us, regardless of title or company size or age or upbringing or location. We all have our own stories, and yet we are all connected in our humanity. I feel lucky to be a safe place for people to genuinely share where they are, to listen with no needs or wants or intentions. And perhaps they walk away feeling a bit better, heard. And I walk away feeling honored. And I think we both walk away feeling connected. But I noticed a funny thing as I listened to this podcast conversation. I spend all day listening to and genuinely asking strangers a simple but important question. How are you? But how often do I really do that for those who matter most in my life? At the end of a long day, I often feel spent. The dinner table is more chaos than conversation at this point, and exhaustion often wins over connection for my wife and I. How can I give this gift, the true gift of presence and deep listening, to so many, but not to those who matter the most in my life, my wife, my daughters? Time and time again, I and I've seen others underestimate just how powerful and how helpful genuinely listening to someone can be. This means listening and not needing to respond or fix or save or solve. It means listening with a true intent to understand what is being shared. With my wife and daughters, I even get stuck on the idea that, I don't have the time or the energy right this moment, but I will later this week, and that's when I'll really be there for them. But every day I see again and again, we all just need to feel heard. And in feeling heard and being heard, we're reminded we're not alone. We're not alone in our challenges or our victories. We're not alone in our lives. We are together and connected. It doesn't take asking magical questions or coach training or the advice of a guru or tons of time. It simply requires genuinely listening and maybe asking the question, how are you? Matt Tara is a grieving man, a persistent and go-getter investor turned entrepreneur. He recently had to close down his business, one that took so much of his heart, his soul, and his savings. 
He wrestles with inner voices, some who want him to really honor and grieve the ending. Others who want him just to get on with his life. Hey, stop making this a big deal. In his wish to speed through the pain and grieving process, he's actually prolonging it and cutting himself off from what he needs the most. To honor the work that was done. To process what he's learned. And be reminded that he's not alone. In this conversation with Jerry, Matt explores what it means to grieve a business, how to move forward by moving slower, and in being seen and heard by Jerry without fixes or solutions, he's again reminded that he is not alone. Now, a critical mistake that entrepreneurs make is not thinking about their board of directors early enough. And this is why we created Reboot Your Board, a four-day self-guided practical skills course all about managing your board via the wisdom of Jerry, Fred Wilson, and Brad Feld. Now, this course is for any company of any size, including those who haven't yet taken investment. And over the course of four days worth of rich content, we take you through the practical challenges of growing and developing a high-functioning board. The board relationship doesn't have to be a challenge. In fact, it can be one of the most rewarding aspects of a leadership journey. And when done well, the board CEO partnership can help each party grow and become the best possible person they can be. Be sure to get started on our Reboot Your Board course at RebootYourBoard.com. Hey, Matt, how are you? It's good to see you. It's good to connect with you. Nice to see you too, Jerry. Yeah. Why don't we do, uh, just take a minute and why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about perhaps how we connected. Sure. So uh, my name is Matt Tara. I live in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And actually, uh, I guess stumbled upon you via my wife, who was an avid listener, or is an avid listener. And I had an interesting, probably three or four months ago, this past summer. Um, and I've kind of gone through an interesting, that was when I was going through a really interesting moment, I think. You know, I was running a business called Tucker Blair. We were an e-commerce, fashion, apparel, accessories business based here in Boston. And um, to answer your question, you know, we, I was going through, a, you know, and, and still am in many ways, um, a, a tough time figuring out what I wanted to do with the business myself. You know, I will probably talk about it more, but I was kind of faced with a tough moment of what am I, is this really what I want to do? And I've been running the business um, for about four years. And so I was kind of in that phase where it wasn't the new thing but it wasn't this old established business. And so anyways, that's, that's how I came across you. And my wife said, you know, you'd be a good person to talk to about my journey and experience and mm-hmm. how, you know, it's similar to people you've talked to and probably in some ways very different. So in a sense, you came to us because, and I'm going back through my notes and reading something yeah. that uh, Nicole, your wife had written. We struggle with sadness and feelings of failure but we also want to be smart about how we proceed to preserve our sanity and future success. Yes. Yes. Did you know she wrote that? Um, I don't, I don't remember her writing that exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. We talked about it. I've never heard those words, but yeah, it was well-written, I guess. Yes. Very, very well-written. So I'll say it again. We struggle with sadness and feelings of failure, but also want to be smart with how we proceed to preserve our sanity and future success. And so your wife, someone I imagine loves you, Mm -hmm. 
reached out and said, in effect, could you talk with Jerry? Or Jerry, could you talk with Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's just hearing that it brings back a lot of, I don't know, <laughs> I'm already, it's very emotional. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very emotional just because I think, um, God, you know, the whole, the whole, this whole process has been, the worst part about it is I don't want to make it a big deal. And I keep coming back to the fact that, and we can talk about what happened in the business. You know, I didn't, the quick story is I didn't have to leave it. It was doing fine, but it wasn't, I guess, the rocket ship or this big thing that I had dreamed it would become or could become, I guess. So anyways, I guess when I hear those words, it's just, God, I, I even talking to you today, I go, well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm past it now. And she goes, no, you're not past it. It's not, oh, it, it just changes. So, so, uh, so a lot of feelings. So, yeah, a lot of feelings. So yeah. what I'm going to recommend is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive, brother, to that feeling that you have, which is, let me get past it, let me get past it, let me get past it. No, it's kind of like, you know when, when you're driving along a road and there's a speed bump? Mm-hmm. You have two choices when you're coming up to the speed bump. You can speed up or you can slow down. Yeah. What's wrong with speeding up? I mean, it breaks your car, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But nobody wants to stop, pause, and go slowly over the hump. We just yeah. want to get through it. Yeah. And I, and I have a feeling, just even reading her words back to you, cause you to sort of go back to that time. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it, um, so before this I had had, so my story is a little interesting, right? Because I, before I did this business, I'd worked in the venture business, Hmm. private equity business. So I'd spent the 10 years of my life working with entrepreneurs that are like LeBron James of people in different ways. And some I thought were total idiots. Some I thought were, just flashy, young, hoodie-wearing fundraisers. And so, I don't know. I guess I came in saying, like, I, I, I couldn't possibly fail. or Because right, you had all this background. You had all this knowledge. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know it. Yes, it, it's not. Mm. I thought I knew a lot more. And I, I mm. got just hard to really successful people constantly. And then you think, oh, well. How could I, if I'm even half as good as this guy, I still can be pretty successful. Um, and, that, and then so what anyway, happened? Well, so I, so I worked at the firm and then they gave me, you know, I raised money from them and from friends and family, myself, to be quite honest, with you, a lot of money that I had. And there was a lot of encouragement to, you know, to do this. And that was great. And, and then about two, probably about a year ago, um, I had a call with, my boss and one of my investors who was, you know, on the board and they just basically, the words they said were, and a little back, a little backstory on the business. I mean, we had been online business selling like preppy accessories like vineyard vines. And so the idea was to kind of build that out. And I realized about a year in, it's kind of funny being an entrepreneur, a real, a year in that online acquisition wasn't going to work for us. It was too expensive mm-hmm. and we didn't have enough money. We didn't raise a hundred million dollars like blue apron to spend into oblivion. And then we went into wholesale and the wholesale world and retail has just, the bottom has fallen out just in mm. many ways. So anyway, so we had a call with our investors and they basically said, and my old boss literally goes to me, he goes, 
I, we hate seeing you drowning in your waders. It's like the guy was fishing. There's a little water in him. And then all of a sudden he wakes up and I remember these words and then he's drowns and he can't call for help. And he goes, I also don't want you to, you're 35. I don't want you to be 40. And I don't want to have someone be like, so what happened to Matt? And like, Oh, he's still doing that thing. What happened to it? Oh, it's a, you know, it's a million, $2 million business. And he's plugging along and it's like, wow, I don't want you to be that guy either. So I had that intervention and that countered my like incessant need to just not give up and be persistent and all this stuff. So I don't know, the, to get back to your original point, the note with Nicole was kind of the ending of all this. And it was like, mm-hmm. I think her trying to say like, you've got to reach out to somebody to, who can empathize with you. Because what I also realize is you're so, you're alone building a business, but you only get, if it's successful, you get a minute of credit when someone maybe is a press release and you say they got bought for $500 million. And that's probably unfulfilling in a way too. But like no one calls, no one is, I mean, we've only gotten complaints. You know, when you wind down a business, you owe people money. People are mad. We've only gotten complaints. I did it the best way I could, but there's no clean way. So I don't know, all, everyone I, you know, people I used to, my invest, no one talks to me. It's a pretty lonely life afterwards, you know? Um, no one says like, are you okay? I'm looking, I just had a baby a month ago. I'm looking for a new job and I kind of have to like move forward and I'm interviewing for jobs and I want to be a better investor, you know, going forward. And I hope this experience, I know it will, but you know, it's just so funny. There's just not a lot of, I don't know what I expect, but I, no one calls and checks in like, how am I doing? I mean, to be quite honest, spent a lot of my savings on this, like done, you know? And it's a weird position when you like always feel pretty financially secure. And then you go through this experience that you give everything. Cause I think that's what you think you should do. And then you kind of have to like walk away and you don't have much to show for it. Um, so it's a lot, so, it's a lot to unpack. It is a lot and you're carrying a lot. And I want you to know that I hear that I hear a bravery in what you're saying. I hear the hardness. I hear the loneliness. I hear this wish to be understood. Um, I hear this, this desire not necessarily to be pampered, but be connected with. I hear a strength and I hear that it's hard. Yeah. Does all, do all those words sound? Yeah. I think the biggest thing resonates, I don't want to make this a big deal. And I don't, that's the second, that's time the biggest thing. Yeah. I know. I just don't want to be a whiner. Like I don't, I don't, you don't want to be a whiner. Yeah. So, and so I don't know what that, I'm looking for. You're looking for relief. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's not like we ran. I could have done this. I could have kept working. You could have run this into the ground to the point where you were homeless and penniless, but you did. Yeah. And I almost, I'm almost, I didn't get quite there, but we, yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's, you know, there's this funny thing going on for you. Tell me if this has any resonance. It's like you are, you're acknowledging that it's hard 
and that it's been hard and that there's a loneliness when you're in the middle of it. And there's a loneliness when there's, when it ends and then you've got a newborn and you've got the task in front of you of having to kind of reconstruct your life. And then there's this voice that keeps coming in and saying, Matt, stop making it a big deal. It's not a big deal. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Don't whine, Matt. Yeah. I, it's so funny. I think that's my inner voice and I hear different, I hear either crickets from everyone else. My friends don't say anything, nothing. I mean, one of my friends, I think came over after I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, kind of closing up shop. He's like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I'm just going to kind of close it up. There's nothing more to do. He's like, well, I had a great time doing it. <laughs> right. Right. Which doesn't really nice anyone said to me. Right. Like, right. So, so, time. so let's, let's, let's put aside just for a moment, what other people are saying. Let's talk yeah. about what the inner voice is saying to you. Um, Don't make a big deal out of it, man. Yeah. I just, why'd I do the, why'd I, Keep going. I I feel, why did I do this? I feel, what did I, I was, how could I make such a, the whole thing, I don't know. I think a lot of regret maybe, but but happiness. Um, I think a lot of the feeling I have is I I gave up and I could have tried harder. Okay, so so, so the level of criticism I'm hearing, the inner criticism, it's really complicated. Yeah, I'm very self, I mean, you start. Well, well, but it's it's actually multi-layered. You're critical for having done it in the first place. You're critical for not having finished it. You're critical for not succeeding. And you're critical because there's a part of you that wants to be, because you want it to be acknowledged for a deal. Let's not call it a big deal, but it is a deal. Um, yeah, I mean, all those are true. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so let's do, let's do something. Okay. Let's stop at the speed bump and let's go slowly over the speed bump. Okay. Okay. So that kind of contorted, twisted, lots of different vectors in that criticism, that is fucking hard. And I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I promise you. But we're going to go slowly over that speed bump. That is fucking hard. Okay. Right? Tell me about your baby. Um, well, he's about a month old today. So born on October 1st. And also tough. Thank you. Um, What's his name? Uh, William. Yeah. So this is unfair, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Okay. Fast forward 35 years. Yes. William is 35 year old entrepreneur would be entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. What do you want his inner critic saying to him? Um, His inner critic. I, I, that's a, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I just want, I, I guess I want people to feel proud of what they're make. I want people to, he needs to feel proud of what he's doing at the moment. And even if um, he's failed. Yeah. 
and I, I, I guess that's my regret. That's reflecting on myself. I feel proud of what you're doing at the moment. And I think that's, it's easy. What I've learned from, you know, you learn lessons as you progress through your career, not to look back, to focus on the future. But I think one that I learned for myself is you got to be happy with what you're doing, even if it's not perfect. And I had my other job. I was always like, this the worst job ever. I worked in like a very, you know, what a lot of people would, you know, do have to give their left foot. To Let's go back to William. I was like, this is the worst job ever. Yeah. Let's go back to William. William calls up his dad. His dad is 70. And he says, dad, I don't want to whine. I don't want to complain. But I, all I hear from my friends is crickets. And there's a part of me that says, why did I even do this? There's a part of me that says, I should be proud of the fact that I tried. What advice does 70-year-old Matt give 35-year-old William? Um, gosh. I mean, obviously, this is advice. I, I just, I think what I would say is there's two things you got to figure out. And these are maybe things I've heard. Are you happy doing what you're doing? And that's different from, is this an idea that could work? And if it's not working right now, what's the, why, are you, why is it not working? And is that just, you're too late, you know, um, to the market, the market's not big enough, mm. the product sucks. I mean, it could be all those things. But um, I think you do really like what you're doing. And if, because you can figure out the business issue, but that being said, I asked my, myself this question. If I was making a million bucks a year and the business was just always small doing what I was doing, would you still be happy? That's another question too. Because right. I'm not like someone who needs a lot of money. You know? So I think you got to ask. I would say outside of the money, it, those are the two things. Are you happy doing what you're doing? And if it's yes or no, that's one answer. And then the question is, is this actually going to work in a way that's tangibly enough for you? Because one person's success could be totally different than another person's. And that's fine. So that was, I mean, that's, that's what I would and think. So what's, and what's, what would you wish in giving that advice to William from your 70-year-old self to your 35-year-old son, in giving that advice to William, what would you want him to internalize? As he looks in the mirror and thinks about himself. Um. I probably would say there's more to yourself than just don't let the business or your entrepreneurial adventures take over yourself. Oh. It's so easy to happen. I think. Yes. And tying up like who that that's, that's the biggest thing. I think don't, don't that. confuse business with pleasure. And unfortunately when you're an entrepreneur, they they're like one in the same, but um, so here you are, this tangled knot with various vectors of self-criticism where you're looking to friends who, quite frankly, sound like they don't know what to say. Because on the one hand, they're probably picking up a vibe from you which says, don't indulge me in my whining. So they're yeah. one same thing. And then there's this other thing that they may be feeling which is there but for the grace of god go i because if i come close to somebody who's in pain and suffering some people won't even 
acknowledge it because if they acknowledge it, then they have to acknowledge the potential of their own loss. So there are all these, there's all this silence around you. And in the midst of that silence, what I'm asking you to do is reach deep down inside yourself and give William slash yourself the advice that you kind of know already. Sure, they may have been words that you heard from your own father, from a grandfather. I think of male lineage because I think it's such a powerful lineage as it relates to work. But it could have been, come from your mother. It could have come from a book. It could have come from a teacher. But there's, there's, there are lessons. What's well, the thing? Heard. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing you say about your parents and your father. Like, mm-hmm. my parents, this is probably part of it. They're just like, you have a kid now. Get a job. Like, mm-hmm. apply to 100 places and just get a job. Like, doesn't matter what you do. Just get a job. It's like, not it work out. buddy. Get a job. Didn't work out. Pick yourself up. You got a kid. Stay focused. Yes. Got it. So how do you react to that? Mm. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so complicated. I guess you're right. There's a lot. There's so many different vectors, as you said, of, of emotions. Like, talking about this for 25 hours it's just like or it never is going to end it's just so many different things you know and um uh it's so funny i talk to smart people who don't who know me or i met or i'm talking to and they go that was a great experience congratulations so funny the people i thought were going to be critical mm. like oh my god what did you do for the past four years you're doing this and it's mm. like look i got a gold star on my resume so that was like unexpected, but then I just, I don't know, the whole thing is just, uh. So, uh, so let, me, let me bring you back to something. So you wanna, hear yeah. these voices, you have these internalized parents, you have the, the true existing parents, you have your, inter, your inner critic, you have the, the, the words around that people are saying all around you. And then I'll bring you back to the wish that you had for William at 35, There's something implicit in that wish about like finding his way in the midst of the storm of all these voices. I'm going to give you language. What do you know to be true about a man named Matt? What do you know to be true about that guy? Uh, I've never... I've never had a desire to ever give up on anything I've done. And he's persistent. inner persistence that is to the core. Um, Here's something. That I know I, I want. Yeah. I mean, I want something that's, I, the reason I did this, I wanted something that was about, that I could build, that would be about me and that I could be instrumental and be really successful. Like I wanted something just big and it wasn't enough just to do something. So, so, so what I know to be true about this, this man, Matt, is that he is, um, he's got drive and sometimes that drive is healthy and sometimes it's unhealthy. Sometimes his persistence is healthy. Sometimes his persistence is unhealthy. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Just like you've heard me say in the podcast, other episodes, we all have a superpower and Marvel's very good at teaching us that every superpower has a dark side. Mm-hmm. Right. So the superpower here is drive and persistence 
and don't stop and make a big deal out of it. But sometimes that can cause Matt to hit that speed bump at 50, 60 miles an hour, bottoming out the car. Or sometimes Matt drives further than he should. Yeah, I would say it's more a lot of that results in me doing things that I'm probably not. It's like most people wouldn't do things they're not good at. And I'm kind of like, maybe it's from my childhood where my mom had me do horseback riding, lacrosse, mm-hmm. football, swimming, soccer, you know, French mm-hmm. classes. Like I try to do everything. I'm running a business where I'm taking, I'm directing photo shoots. I'm designing products in Asia. I mean, I'm a finance major. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even do my own books because I wasn't, you know, so this like need to kind of be like the Leonardo da Vinci of life. It's, um, that's where I get in trouble. Because not only am I persistent and I'm, I have drive, I'm doing things that I'm not like innately good at. Mm-hmm. So you get beat up along the way. And that to me is like what this business exemplified. Like you're going to get your, your ass kicked if you go on the NFL football field and you have, you're not a good player. You're going to like get seriously injured. And I feel like I, in this experience, I just drove myself to like get injured a lot. Um, was, was there anything on like, this? Experience that you got that was a benefit. You know, it's funny. Um, yes, it's it's probably the least two things. What real empathy for building a business means? Because that's really people talk about it, and I listen to other entrepreneurs talk about it, and it's never a straight path. And if you haven't gone bankrupt like three times, you probably don't have a successful business. And People like always talk about success in life. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is I have a newfound appreciation for working with really good people because I've had, I had bad people that I work with, bad, bad people, and actually just not good at their job people. And they're both tough. And um, I used to work with people say, people, the only thing that matters here is the, the guy involved. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, he didn't have a business idea. Nobody's a good person. We're going to give him money. And I was like, well, but it's like him and I think his cell phone and his car. Like, how are you going to give this guy money to do something? Don't worry. He's a good person. He'll figure it out. Um, I kind of understand more what that means. So, so how about this? You were an investor. I think you know a little bit more about how to pick a good entrepreneur now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it actually take? Right. One of the biggest complaints that I hear from entrepreneurs is that investors just don't understand how hard it is. Yeah. And that statement almost kind of not, I'll say it kind of pisses me off. That's not even, it's, it's harder than that statement is. I think, cause like, you don't yeah. know. I mean, I woke up and I like had, I think I like almost like dry heave one morning. I don't even know what it was. Cause I had, we owed money. We had like no money in the bank account. And like, if we didn't get this order, like I didn't know we were, all this stuff kind of comes down on you and it's never fun stuff. No one's like, Hey Matt, you did a great job last week. Like great sales number. Um, yeah, it's, it's so multidimensional, especially when you're running a startup, you have no support. There's no, there's no air support. You woke up with dry heaves and as an investor, you had no idea what it meant to actually have those dry heaves. Yes. And why you would. Mm-hmm. And guess yeah. what? You know now. Yeah. So 
what we're trying to do right now is extract the reality of the experience in response to that inner critic. You know, when I, when I listen to you talk about this, I just, I still think about this. I wish I was still doing it and we were, I was working harder and making it like, that's my, when you say that, I don't know why that is. I just still think like now that I'm kind of trying to figure out what my next step is going to be, I still have moments where I'm like, let's go. Well, here's that's all I can think about. I don't know. I know that's just, that's my Here, gut reaction. Here's something to remember. You haven't stopped growing and learning. You haven't stopped, in a sense, participating in the startup world, even if you're not doing T T B anymore, Tucker Blair, even yep. if you're not doing, even if you're not going to land a job as an investor again, but you'll land some other job. Everything that you experience, negatively and positively, you get to carry forward. See, the problem with blowing past the speed bumps is that you're actually going so fast, you're so concerned about not making it a big deal that you're not internalizing the lessons, painful and otherwise, that you just went through. And that, my friend, is the bigger tragedy here. That's the bigger failure. Here's the truth. Businesses die all the time. Statistically speaking, 89% of venture-backed businesses will either fail or simply return their money, which from an investor's perspective is failure. I, I know see, I know all this, but I just think I'm different, or I thought I would be different. Yes, you thought I, you were going to be different. And guess what? That statistic, Wake I mean, that's up. even low. I think it's 90%. Right. <laughs> I think that's, that's low. Right. I know this. Well, 89% is pretty damn close to 90. But, well, whatever, whatever. Oh, yeah. but here's the thing. You got, you got a wake-up call. You can be terrific with the best idea, with the best investors, and still fail. Because your timing's off. Or because two motherfuckers fly an airplane into the World Trade Center and destroy your business, and that wasn't their intent. There are so many factors that go into success and failure that to spend the time beating oneself up, beating oneself up, creates a kind of uh, narcissistic infinite loop. The very thing that you're trying to get away from. Again, this is counterintuitive. What I'm saying is spend more time with how painful it was so that you can extract the lessons so that you can then close the door. And you can say to yourself, fuck, that was a hard ride, but I'm a better man because of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought I did that for a month. We kind of, July or August or last kind of month, and I thought I kind of took August off and did that. And then, and now it's <laughs> like, had our baby, and I'm like, okay, Matt, like back in business. And I think that was my, I had Why like- Why am I laughing? I don't know. I, I, I kind of did that for a month, Jerry. Do you think you can like, sh like, like compress grief and lessons? No, but I just, I don't know. I just, I gotta like, I feel like I gotta like put it in the closet and like, it's like, okay, a, like the that, winter coat. 
I mean, that's what I feel like. And I, I don't want to keep thinking yeah. about it, but then. But then you have no choice. It's like an old, it's like old news. Like, hey, Matt, you already had this problem. You talked about it. Like, you know, you talked to your wife about it. Like, she doesn't want to keep hearing about it. Like, you okay. need to do something so, else. So, so, so the reframing I want to give you is that, that by staying with it, you're not prolonging it. You're actually speeding the, the point at which you will get past it. By staying with it, you allow your inner being to catch up to what happened to be able to then not have to carry it forward. Right? The th- you know, let's, let's talk about it in terms of grief for a moment. You know, the most common association with grief is uh, the, the, the death of a loved one. Okay? And imagine we're at a funeral. You know, I was raised in the Catholic tradition, so we had funerals and, and that sort of stuff. Imagine someone comes in and says, so it's been three days since your mom died. You done? She, you know, you got a baby. You got to get going. Right? You merged your sense of self with Tucker Blair. Rightly, wrongly, whatever. Oh, it, it wasn't. I was the person, and I live in a. We live in a neighborhood where I, I know a lot of people, and it's right. Like, so like a, everybody saw you through the lens of Tucker Blair. Yes, your life was through the lens of Tucker Blair, and then you know, come on, you gave yourself a month. Get over it. Get over it. There's no one to talk to about it. Like I just talk with myself. Yeah, and I don't like. I don't know what I expect. I don't know what I. You know, I can talk to my wife, obviously, but. God, there's no one to talk to about it. And I don't want to talk to like, that's the hard, I guess that's why. That's the hard part. That's right. And, And so what you're speaking to is why we need real peers. Peers means people who have gone through a similar experience, people who can relate empathetically. People can look at you and go, yep, fucking hard, man. And you just know that they know. So people say that, but it's not, I need like more. <laughs> what do you need? I, I just need to talk about it. It's like, I guess it's when someone passed away. I, I've never really had it. Thank God yet. No one's passed away. It's been that, that close to me. So I've never gone to that experience, uh, but it's like every day I want to kind of say something about it. Like a fond memory. Like this was fun. This was a mistake. Like I want to, I don't want to relive it, but I just, I want it to be accessible all the time. All right. So I don't here's, know who to do that with because it's it's that's what. Uh, so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a pragmatic practical suggestion with that. Okay, and I'm going to give you an invitation. I don't think I've ever done to somebody on a podcast. You can write an email to me every day. <laughs> you can write an email to me every day. I may not write back. Doesn't mean I don't care. Just means I'm busy. Mm-hmm. But you can get. I can guarantee you that I will read it. Mm-hmm. Okay, because journaling is probably not something that comes naturally to you, but the process of writing it out is part of the process here. But you have to make one promise to me, and that is when you find yourself coming up to a speed bump and you have the impulse to go quickly, I want you to slow down. Even if you what you write to me today is exactly what you wrote to me yesterday. 
And there's a softness that just came over your face as I said that. What's happening for you? Um, <laughs> I think it, the, uh, it's funny. The biggest part is I feel like no one cares about this whole situation. And then I'm making a big deal about nothing. And I think that, that someone yeah. does care because it, it feels... Um, God, I keep saying this. I don't want to make a big deal out of the whole thing. And I feel like when you said that, that someone actually cares, and this is something that can can exist with me even as I kind of do other things. That's right. I don't need to like let it go. I don't need to like that's right. Pretend it didn't happen or like And you don't it. have to be alone in being impacted by the experience. Yeah. I do right. I do actually care about you, even though we've just met. I care about you because you're a human fucking being, even though you grew up in Boston and probably like the goddamn Red Sox. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Yeah, no. I care about you. Here's someone else who cares about you. We struggle with sadness and feelings of failure. What was the pronoun she just she used? We. We. She didn't write he struggles with sadness and feelings of failure. She wrote, we want to proceed to preserve our sanity and future success. Who else is in there with you? Nicole. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. Sometimes in the midst of our own pain, we fail to hear the crickets that are actually out there. Your wish to not be alone is a beautiful, understandable wish. There's a tagline we use in everything we do at Reboot, which is, no, you are not alone even though sometimes all you hear are crickets. Sometimes all you hear is the lack of response from the world. You wanna know why I do this? For this. Yeah, that breath that you just felt. It's just so funny when you say that because it just made me mad because I was thinking about all the people who gave me money and how no one ever like called and said, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I don't know why that was my response, but I guess I was about being alone. Like I had all these people that said they were going to support me and be an investor. And, you know, maybe I didn't do everything I could to get them their money back in the right way. But I'm also, I also lost a lot of money. And when you said that, it made me mad. I just wish someone would just call and, you know, one guy kind of did in a night, but no one ever said anything. It was amazing. I wish they had. Yeah. Or just say, Hey, I'm, but what's like your next thing? I'm, you know, or I don't know. Or just how about this? How about this, Matt? How are you doing? Like I haven't talked to you. Someone, (laughs) it's just mine. It's just, yeah. It makes me mad. I'm, I'm obviously we're talking together and you're obviously extremely empathetic about this process, but it makes me so pissed off that I had 15 people that were willing to write a check to me that never, most of them never even called, you know? I didn't expect them to run my business. That's not what I look, but like, it was a really quick, it's like when someone dies, you call them and you say, hey, how are you doing? 
How are you doing? That's right. So I'm I'm, I'm going to give you an admonition. Okay. Here's an instruction from an older brother. Don't ever forget this because there will be a time when you're investing in other people's entrepreneurial startups. Don't ever forget that that empathetic connection pre-funding while the operation is underway. And if it fails, how important that is. Don't ever forget this. That's the gift of that pain. You can get locked in the bitterness of it and you have every right to be angry and extract from that, that lesson. Okay. So now what I, now I really know what it means to be a good investor and a good board member. Yeah. I don't know why it's so it's, it's, (laughs) you see, I'm getting like upset about it. I don't know why that makes it's the most painful thing about the whole thing. Because you feel disappointed. You feel, well, abandoned. I feel abandoned. Yeah, I feel abandoned. I think that's the, the, really the hardest part because you're like the shiny, you're the cool person. And then all of a sudden, it's like they moved on in other ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not looking for someone to like move in with me and counsel me every day. I'm just looking for some. You're just looking for someone to something, care. Something. I mean, it could be as simple as a note. And I feel like I've just been like brushed off and just dismissed as either incapable or a bad steward of their money or like he was negligent or something. Yeah. And that's how I feel. And that, so when you say like, Hey, you can reach out to me, like it's not necessarily the fact of like, it's just the fact that somebody would, again, and what you said, you're not going to respond every day with a three paragraph. I don't expect you to, but someone say, Hey, you can do that. That's that, that. I'll read it and I'll interact when I need to. And, and never ever I, forget. That's, That's right. And never, that. ever forget that there's a value in listening. Not fixing, not solving, not changing, just truly staying present and listening. That's what we're talking about. That's what your wish is. Yeah, I feel like I'd be so much better off now. Or I don't know if this is my pipe dream, but if I had just two or three people that would just and whatever yeah and that doesn't you know, sound like whining doing? no i just i don't know well, it's like I, 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 my next I, thing I, you know so they, i'm trying to do my next thing i need i need some you know i need fuel support i i I'm, i don't need handouts or like but god i, I, someone just I, said, I hey, hear you, how you doing? I, I i i just this morning i texted somebody that i haven't been in touch with in four years three years and I read some news reports that touch upon this person. I imagined that they were going through a hard time. And all I did was I said, just thinking of you. No fixing, no judging, no advice giving, nothing. And they wrote back and they said, thank you. I can feel your love. I haven't talked to this person in three years. Where did that come from? Because I know that there are times of my life when people have done that for me. And there are times in my life when people didn't do it for me. And I remember the differences. And there are times in which I will remember to do that and times in which I won't. I'll be so caught up in my own stuff that I won't remember. But that's the opportunity. You know, the word compassion breaks down into calm being with 
passion feeling, being with the other person's feelings, not fixing them, not changing them, bravely staying present and saying, man, what a ride, Matt. How are you doing? That's compassion. And there's nothing whiny about wishing for compassion. It's not making it a big deal for wishing for empathy. Yeah, I mean, that's, gosh. I can't underestimate just thinking about it, how much that would mean to me. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, I think, you know, when you're, when you're in your business, you, you kind of like it, but you're so busy doing stuff that you're kind of like, I don't need that. You know, I don't have time mm-hmm. for check-ins. And you still do in a different way. <laughs> um, but you're kind of working away. Tomorrow's a bigger day. Next big thing is going or you got a headache and it's just kind of getting through it. But um, So, so I'll, I'll yeah. close with this. With, so you said, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you don't necessarily have time for the check-in. So from my lips to God's ears, someday you will be launching something new. You'll either be running a business or you'll have launched a business. Imagine this. People need compassion and empathy every day of their lives. Even in the midst of a thriving business, even in the midst of a failing business, every day, a little brief, how are you doing? With true compassion, with true empathy. Imagine having a business where that was as part of the business as anything else, as that drive and the wish for success. That's the opportunity. That's another lesson to extract from this experience. Does that have resonance with you? Yeah, I think we all kind of, we go through our lives and we just, again, what I'm trying to do, it's okay. It's not a big deal anymore. And I keep, it is still a big deal and that's okay. And that's kind of what Yes, it is a big deal and it's okay. Now, I say that now, but like there are moments of weakness or, you know, <laughs> my, right. my mom calls me. It's like, what are you doing? And I kind of like have to put it away, but I just have to keep reminding myself that like this will be a part of me in a better way. But I got to like, don't resent it. Don't be mad that it wasn't something bigger or better. It is what it was. And I need to like, like lean into this, like keep looking at it. It's uncomfortable. It's like I'm still... It's That's it. I'm still looking at it. I got to still look at it. And it's not, it. doesn't have to be, it can be, not fun's the right word, but it can be an enjoyable experience and make me just feel better, you know? And that, I got to like. And, and, and I'm about to give you maybe the highest compliment I can give somebody. Now you sound like a Buddhist teacher. That's exactly right, my friend. It doesn't have to be, and we're not talking about fun but there is actually something powerfully important about that process if you can lean into it. And it helps having a friend lean into it with you. Yeah. So I think with that, we're gonna sort of close and wrap. 
but I want to thank you for showing up. You know, if you feel any relief, it's because you were willing to lean into it and let me stop you at the speed bump. No, I think, yeah, I do. I just need to remember to carry with me. That's, yes. that's, that's the thing. Well, well, the good thing is we recorded this. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll be able to go yeah. back and listen oh, to geez. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to say thanks to you and thank you to Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much. We really enjoy um, listening to what you do and um, just talking with you is, it, it, it was good. It's good to yeah. be able to share this stuff because um, keeps going on. It does indeed. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcasts to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. My name is John Prendergast. I am CEO of Blue Leaf. I was doing some research on CEO peer groups, found an article on Reboot, and it's been great. There are real relationships that were built. And then we wound up having extemporaneous conversations, and you know, it's been incredibly supportive. It's really helped with insights into me as a, as a leader and helped with insights in my business that I wasn't expecting. Want to experience more conversations like these in your life? Consider joining a Reboot Circle. Our Circle's participants have called their circle their secret weapon. You'll gain more self-awareness, and you'll know you're not alone in the challenges you face day to day. You'll find the same level of self-inquiry in a coach-facilitated cohort with six other leaders just like you. Apply at reboot.io circles.